Hello, Jets fans. Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Slamini, and I cover the Jets for ESPN. This has been a quiet offseason for Gang Green, but that's about to change. The Combine is underway in Indianapolis, and we're on the doorstep of free agency, so things are going to get crazy real soon. We have a lot to talk about in this week's show, but first I want to mention our guest in the second quarter. You'll hear from ESPN draft analyst Todd McShay. Aside from his knowledge of the draft, Todd has a special connection to Jets GM Joe Douglas, and you don't want to miss that. But first, let's dive into current events. At the Combine, Douglas spoke about Jamal Adams. He said he wants him to make Jamal a, quote, jet for life. Now, what does that really mean? Well, it means the Jets are interested in signing him to a contract extension, but the Jets did not give a timetable. Now, Jamal has said he wants a new deal by the start of the season. The Jets, let's not forget this, the Jets have all the leverage here because they have rights to him for two more years, so they are in no rush to get anything done. And I'm not convinced that they will get a deal done by the start of the season. Let me throw this knowledge out at you, a little stat here. Under the current CBA, only 15 of the 191 first-round picks from 2011 to 2016 got an extension after their third season. Out of those 15, only four were defensive players, J.J. Watt, Robert Quinn, Luke Keekley, and Patrick Peterson. So, History says that Jamal will not get a new deal. I think it's encouraging that the Jets are interested in doing it. I'm just saying be patient on that one. Now, Douglas also talked about Le'Veon Bell. He said he's not shopping Le'Veon. Really, what do you expect him to say? I mean, they everybody knows they cannot trade this contract as it is. Uh, personally, I still think Bell can be a productive player. I know the Jets feel the same way if they get a good offensive line in front of him. Now, can he be the Le'Veon of old, the Le'Veon of Pittsburgh days? I don't think so. And I wrote this a couple of weeks ago, and I know it created a little bit of a stir, but I wrote that, you know, Le'Veon added some weight as the season went on and he lost some of the explosiveness. And I stand by that. I do feel that there are people um, familiar with him who believe that. And that's not to say he can't come back and have a good year next year, but they're going to have to try to make the best of this situation. And hopefully they'll put a good line in front of him to give him a chance. Uh, Let's talk draft because we're, we're immersed in that stuff now with the combine. Right now, as we stand here today, my money is on the Jets getting an offensive tackle with the 11th pick. I think three tackles have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Jedrick Willis, Jr., Makai Becton and Tristan Wirfs are the three. I think they're slightly ahead of Andrew Thomas and Josh Jones. Now, the question is, can the Jets get one of those three? A lot of this will be dictated by free agency, what teams ahead of them do, what the Jets do in free agency. But I think there's probably a 50-50 chance they get one of those three. And if not, they might have to pivot and go to another position, wide receiver or corner or even edge rusher. Free agency. It's coming up fast. The Jets have right now 50 million under the cap. I think that'll go up to about 65 to 70 after they get done with some cuts. People who know Douglas tell me 
that he's not going to go crazy spending with these contracts. He's not going to give out deals that reset the market, a la C.J. Mosley a year ago. The word that keeps coming up when I talk to people about the Jets and free agency is selective. That's the word that comes up. Douglas's mentor is Ozzie Newsom, the former great GM of the Baltimore Ravens. And Ozzie was always known for being a bargain hunter, not throwing around ridiculous money and finding good value. And I think Joe Douglas will try to do that. Now, I'm not saying the Jets won't spend a lot of money. I think they're probably good for one, maybe two splurge-type contracts. You're wondering who that might be. I think you have to look to the offensive line. Now, they're going to be connected with players like Brandon Scherf of the Redskins and Joe Thune of the Patriots. I think Scherf might get tagged, and Thune is going to be – everybody wants Thune – I think that number is going to get really, really high. We're talking 13, 14 million a year, and that's a lot for a guard. I think the player to watch for the Jets is Jack Conklin, the right tackle for the Titans, former first round pick, only 26 years old. He's been somewhat up and down in recent years, um, but he has a good pedigree. And again, he's only 26 and it'll cost. I mean, it's going to be 15, 16 million a year, but at least it's a tackle. That's a more of a value position than guard. So I see the Jets going after him. Also, Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver, connection to Adam Gase. I think he'd be a good stop gap, especially if they lose Robbie Anderson. Another guy to watch for, especially if they lose Anderson, is Brashad Perryman. Came on a little bit late last season. He's a basically a poor man's Robbie in that he's a vertical threat. A couple, a lesser name guy to watch for, cornerback Jalen Mills of the Eagles. Joe Douglas connection, cheaper option at corner. The expensive option at corner is Byron Jones of the Cowboys. He will hit the market. I don't know if that's a great fit for the Jets though. He's more of a cover, uh, more of a zone corner because they play a lot of cover three in Dallas. Don't think that would be a great fit in Greg Williams' scheme. He's going to have a, a, a huge number because a lot of teams are going to be after him. And that is the end of the first quarter. I'd like to welcome longtime ESPN draft analyst Todd McShay. You'll be seeing a lot of Todd and his tag team partner Mel Kuyper over the next two months as we creep closer to the NFL draft. Thanks so much, Todd, for making some time for us here at Flight Deck. Yeah, I'm happy to do it, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Great. Uh, I know the combine is underway. Big things happening out there. At first, not, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Todd and Jets GM Joe Douglas were actually football teammates at the University of Richmond. So let's start there, Todd. If you if you had to give a Todd McShay scouting report on what Joe was like as a player at Richmond, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you laughing. What what would that scouting report sound like? A sturdy guard, a, great, <laughs> a sturdy guard. I mean, I, I mean, he—he's such a good dude, man. I mean, he—he's—he's he's one of the the all-time great human beings that I that I know, and he was an unbelievable competitor. I'll never forget. There, I mean, I was basically the fifth-string quarterback as the as a freshman, mm-hmm. and our top three quarterbacks had like a class one day or something that was going on, and then the the fourth string quarterback uh, was sick or injured or something, and so all of a sudden I'm I'm sitting there as a true freshman in the starting huddle, and and I'm messing up the you know all the verbiage and, and getting everything wrong, and he just like basically slaps me in the helmet like let's go bud let's go, <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's kind of how how he's always been. He's 
He's so intelligent. He he loves the game. Mm-hmm. He's a, a great person. I really, and I'm not just saying that. I, you know, there are a hundred other people in the league that I I know very well and have good friends. But Joe is one of the great all time people. And uh, but he he's a he's hugely competitive, mm-hmm. and he's a great people person. And I, I think that that's going to, in the long run, wind up benefiting the Jets. The way, just the way he carries himself, the way he handles business behind the scenes, the, what he emphasizes, and he learns so much from from Ozzie Newsom and that that staff in, in Baltimore. And that's you know that's where he grew up. Mm-hmm. So um, he's you know he had a couple different destinations, but but Baltimore really was where he was raised, if you will, right. as a as a football guy. And I, I just. I believe in in what they've always done, and it's it's proven to be successful. And he knows what he's doing. He's got the right people around him, and and I think the Jets are going to wind up having a lot of success. It may take a year or two until you get the results that you're looking for, but they're headed in the right direction, and they know that they have the quarterback that they need in order to have success. It's probably unfair to ask you, did you know? back then that he would be a GM because it was such a long time ago. You just never know. But did you know back then that he would be in football in some capacity or in scouting or, or something? Did he show traits at that time that thought you might, he, he'd get into this business? Oh, he loved, he always loved the game so much. And, and out of college, you know, just like all of us, I mean, we were kind of bouncing around trying to figure out what, what we were going to do. Um, and Phil Savage and and Ozzie Newsom brought him into to Baltimore, and he was living in Baltimore, and and um, and it it just it it started to work out. And I I'll, I'll never forget going in. I think it was his second year that he was there, just as a as a scout, and and going there, and and he you know toured me around the the stadium and their facilities and and everything, and he just he's always just loved it. He's so passionate about it, and. He's one of the normal guys too. That's that's the hard part to explain. Like you can sit down and have a conversation with Joe for an hour and not talk football, mm-hmm. and and be thoroughly entertained and have a, a great time. But if if you want to dig deep, he can dig as deep as anyone in the league too. So and I again, I think when it comes to free agency and and bringing in the right personnel and people around him, his ability to relate to people and the just the way he is as a as a person, I think, is going to really benefit him and the Jets and what they're trying to do. You know, that's a great point because he walked into a job last year. Let's face it, there was a lot of dysfunction in their front office with McCagden getting fired and not seeing eye to eye to Adam Gase. So, you think what is it about Joe's personality? Do you think that can maybe galvanize a building and an organization that had been really split up last year? Everyone wants to work for him. Everyone wants to work with him. Not even for him. I should say with him. That's the. If you're around Joe, like, you know, you're you're one of his guys, and and let's go. And and that's the whole thing. And he also, it's so important to him. And like, he would tell this to anyone. And I'm sure he said it in, in interviews. I haven't heard it, but he and I have talked a little bit. Like, it's so important for him to bring in the right people. And he wants his people and guys that he wants to go to battle with every day and then he wants to bring in the players mm-hmm. even when he was with the eagles and and wasn't the final decision but was very close to the final decision and part of it it was so important to him to make sure that that first draft class 
that they made a statement, that they brought in the right guys. The impact players, not just physical traits, more importantly, guys that are going to be leaders and are going to create the culture. And I, you know, I, I, I saw a, high, a, a headline recently, and I, I haven't talked to him about it, but, I, but um, he said something, we want Jamal Adams to be a jet for life, right? He did say that, yes. And that only makes sense because Jamal Adams is the all-time football guy. He loves the game. He's a leader. He's going to be the captain and the leader of that defense for the next 10 years. So that, that's the kind of guy that Joe is looking for. Obviously physical tools, but then he, he just wants leadership, toughness, and, and guys that love playing the game. You know the Jet roster. You know what they need. What do you think Joe's plan is for the Jets this offseason to try to get the Jets back to, to being relevant again? Well, I, I think I, I just study the history. And with with Ozzy and, and his days in Baltimore and even in Philly, like they, they value quantity. And, and they value quantity and the ability to um, to get more picks. And obviously, like I said, they want they want to bring in players that that bring leadership and toughness and all those things. But but they would rather, as Ozzy did for so many years, sit tight. Let's not move up and give away picks. Like there's so much value in having draft picks. So let's either sit tight and take the best player available, even if it's not at a position that we have a dire need for. Or let's move back if a team is desperate and trying to make a move to come up. And let's take advantage of some teams that panic on the clock. And that's what, to me, what Ozzy did throughout his entire um, you know, tenure at, at Baltimore as the general manager, that's what he did the best. And he, he and Belichick are, the, are two of the best that I, I've ever seen in terms of managing the draft and knowing when to move back, when to sit tight, and not getting panicky and moving up. So I think that's going to be probably the, the first thing for the Jets. And then, you know, if, if it comes down to need, hey, we got a quarterback that we believe in, so let's protect him. You know, whether it's Jedrick Wills, um, the, the offensive tackle from, from Bama, or, um, or Mackay uh, Becton, or Tristan Wirfs, or Josh Jones from Houston, or Austin Jackson from, uh, from USC – I think bringing in an offensive tackle in the first couple of rounds is going to be important. Or if it's not a tackle, then a guard. And then after that, I think cornerbacks a, a position, and then wide receiver. Basically, let's let's find guys that are going to protect our quarterback, make sure we take care of our franchise guy, and some weapons around them. And then probably when you get into day two and early day three, then more on the defensive side, like I said, in the cornerback position. But I, I really think, and this is me on the outside looking in, I haven't talked to Joe about it, and I wouldn't ask him or bother him with it. But I, I would say this, I, I think they need to put more around their quarterback because he's the guy, and he's the guy that's going to deliver the Jets if, if anyone's going to do it. So you're Joe Douglas, and you're, you're the, the best-case scenario for the 11th pick on draft day is, I'm guessing you're going to say one of those premier offensive tackles is sitting there at 11 you know either a Beckton or a or a Wirfs or uh you know Wills one that would you think that would be the best case scenario for for Douglas yeah I I mean they could all be gone too <laughs> uh, it, it's funny because it's not it, it there there are I mentioned them well uh Wills Beckton Wirfs Jones and Jackson those are the guys that are going to go likely in the first round and then when they're gone 
there's not a lot of depth behind them. And that's typically the case with tackles, but, uh, but it's a big, big drop-off. So that's kind of what you have to manage and say, all right, if we don't get someone in free agency, if we're, if we're not settled with the offensive tackle position, uh, are we prepared to pull the trigger um, at 11? So I, that would make the most sense, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where they're going to go. I, I think if you know Jerry Judy is going to be off the board, C.D. Lamb, is there a chance he's there at 11? If so, do you just pull the trigger and, and try to get an offensive lineman a little bit later? I you know, it, there's so much between now and the draft that's going to go on. There's so much, we haven't even started the workouts here at the combine. They start tonight, but the bottom line is, I think offensive tackle is definitely up there in terms of positions that they're they're really trying to study in order to to just give Sam a chance, a fighting chance this year. And one question about free agency with uh, with Joe. Now, you mentioned Ozzy as being one of his mentors. And, you know, Ozzy never spent a ton of money in free agency. He was always very smart and very uh, looking for bargains. Do you think Joe yep. will follow along those lines, or do you think he's going to come out with the checkbook blazing and writing massive checks to try to sign guys to fill holes? Again, like, I, I don't like speaking for, for Joe because mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly don't know, and we haven't had this specific conversation, but if history is an indicator, he's going to try to look for value. And one thing about Joe and his staff is that they're going to grind the tape and they're going to know the guys that fit what they want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, in some organizations, not all, but some organizations, that's kind of the missing piece is knowing exactly what we want to do, schematically what we want to be, what kind of versatility do we need, what, you know, those sorts of things. And I, I think Joe has a, Joe and his, his group have a great handle on that. And I don't, I, I wouldn't guess that they're going to go out and spend a ton of money, but I think when they do spend money, it's going to be on guys that are a little bit underrated, that can provide some versatility and some veteran leadership and, and then probably some special teams help and, and be able to help in more than just one way. Uh, you know, he, there's anyone who's good at this job has a lot of value in, in finding guys that can, hold down multiple spots on the roster and do different things for you because, you know, 53 guys, it's it's hard to feel the team that you feel great about. And just one last thing about Joe in general. You know, by all indications, he was a very good scout as he was coming up the ladder, a good personnel evaluator. But as you know, Todd, it's different when you're in the big chair and you're on the clock in the draft room and you have to make a huge decision. What is it about Joe? What kind of traits, characteristics that he has that you think will enable him to make that jump from being like part of the the group to being the guy? I think, uh, like I said before, everyone who spends any time working with Joe or around Joe wants to be around Joe and wants to compete with Joe. You know, I mean that's that's the best way I can I can explain it. Um, I would go to battle with, with Joe tomorrow doing anything. anything. Like, he's that kind of guy. I also think the personality that he brings and the competitiveness that he brings and the experience that he has and how he was brought up in, in the league with Ozzy and, and that whole Raven staff, I, how do you not respect what he's been through to get to where he is today? Mm. And he, I mean, he had he had offers. I mean, there were different places that, that wanted him the last few years and he waited for the right offer. And this is the place that he wanted to go. 
because he saw the potential. He saw a quarterback. He thinks, you know, a, he he's obsessed with winning, and and I I wouldn't bet against him. I'll tell you that much. Do you have any funny stories from college that you could share on a Disney-owned radio station? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I figured. Uh, anyway, he seems like a, probably it would have been a fun guy to be in college. Not, not- no, yeah, exactly. No, he's the best. He's the best. Well, go spiders. Well, <laughs> thank, thank you so much, Todd, for taking some time out. I'll look forward to catching up somewhere down the road. Appreciate it. You got it, Rich. Take care, bud. And welcome to the third quarter Twitter time. I'm reaching deep into the mailbag for this week's Twitter questions. And the first one comes from at M Palace FPC. Should the Jets use the transition tag on Robbie Anderson? really interesting question. I think the transition tag would cost about $15.5 million. I don't think the Jets will do that. A couple of reasons. Number one, as soon as you tag him, that money counts on your cap. So you're eating up $15.5 million of your salary cap. That could impact, it actually would impact their ability to sign other free agents. And the other reason is when a player is a transition tag, you have the right of first refusal, which is good and all, except that if you decide not to match the offer, you do not receive any compensation. So I'm not sure that would be a great benefit to the Jets. I think they're just going to try to re-sign Robbie. And if they don't and he goes somewhere else, they'll probably – well, there's a chance they could get a compensatory pick next year. So I say no to the transition tag. Next question from at Mogefs who always has good questions, or Rich, with so many needs and questionable depth, I think the Buffalo approach from last year in free agency of signing quantity of Tier 2 and Tier 3 players makes a lot of sense for the Jets. Your thoughts? Boom. Love this idea. Free agency and big contracts are not the answer. The Jets of all teams should know this. Last year with Bell and Mosley, Should I even mention Tremaine Johnson's name? That's a sore subject among Jet fans. Yeah, I think that is a great approach. You could assign deals where you can escape after one year if you want to. I know you make an exception for a premium guy, maybe a Jack Conklin, Amari Cooper, if he hits the market. I think he's a guy you would make an exception for. But yes, I think uh, Douglas will be patient, methodical, and that is a good way to go in free agency. Next question from at Easy Racer. Why do you think Mike McCagnan failed as general manager? He was touted as an intelligent guy with a strong scouting background, not too far off from what's being said about Joe Douglas. What happened? Well, uh, let's just backtrack for a second. I, I think there were actually a lot of questions when McCagnan was hired. I know I had those questions and I wrote about it because he was a college scouting director. And, and it's not too often that you see a college scouting director make the leap to GM. That's like leaping over an entire stage in the, in the hierarchy of a front office. Usually a guy goes from scouting director to a VP position to GM and McCagnan never was that VP person. He never was in charge of a draft. Joe Douglas, meanwhile, was in charge of a draft with the Eagles. He ran their last three drafts. So he has that advantage. And the other advantage that he has over McCagnan, or the, let me say the advantage is not a good word. The difference between them coming into this job, McCagnan was not a guy in demand. He had never interviewed for a GM position. Joe Douglas is a guy 
who several teams were interested in him. He had interviewed for positions before. So that's another difference between the two. So I think it's unfair to say that Douglas is in the same category as Mike McCagnan as he's stepping into this job. Next question, at gangrene underscore A2. How does a franchise justify making zero changes to their offensive coaching staff after posting the worst offense in the league? I love this question, gangrene. You're preaching to the choir. The Jets, as a matter of fact, were the worst offense in the league based on yards. They were 32nd, and they did not make any changes to their staff. I thought they'd change the offensive line coach, Frank Pollock. He did not. I uh, haven't gotten a great answer from Adam Gase on why they decided to stand pat. Uh, Gase said at the Combine that he likes the continuity of the staff. He thinks it'll help them this year to build on what they were able to create last year as a foundation. So that's a plus. But it is unusual that a team that struggled so much on one side of the ball wouldn't make any changes. Also, you have to look at possibly money being a factor. I'm not saying this is what happened, but sometimes owners are reluctant to make changes because they don't want to add more payroll for coaches. So that maybe was a factor. I'm not sure, but it was a good question. Next one from at Kite Writes. Same question I asked you yesterday. What about an edge rusher? Are we going to get one at some point in my lifetime? This sounds like a really frustrated Jet fans. Uh, and I can, I think what you mean is, are they going to get a good edge rusher? Because they've tried to get edge rushers. Uh, Lorenzo Malden, Dylan Donahue were middle round type guys who just didn't pan out. I don't think they're going to get one in free agency because, let's face it, the good ones don't hit the market. And I don't think the value will be there at 11, but maybe in the second or third round, there's some interesting second tier rushers, Terrell Lewis from Alabama, Anthony Jennings from Alabama, guys to watch in the second or third round. I will say this, the Jets really like Terrell Basham. He did some good things on their roster last year. He's an edge rusher. And so possibly Greg Williams could, uh, you know, make do with what he has, although it's definitely area where they need to improve. And finally, from the last one from at hard knock underscore Jets, considering the info you have as of today, how do you think free agency and the number 11 pick in the draft will play out? Well, hard knock, I think in free agency, the Jets are going to be very active. They have 21 unrestricted free agents, so they're going to be signing a lot of players. I think they'll be very active in the second wave of free agency. I do think they will start they will sign one immediate starter on the offensive line. I mentioned Joe Thune, but I think that'll get too much money. Jack Conklin is a guy, as I said, will be a guy to watch. I do think they're going to re-sign Alex Lewis, a versatile guy. He could fill in at either guard spot. Uh, left, now, here's a left tackle name to watch. Now, I, I think I'm going to botch the pronunci- pronunciation of his name. It's Halapuli Vati Vaitai. He is the left tackle uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, Joe Douglas knows him very well from being in Philadelphia. He actually started every game at left tackle during the Eagles Super Bowl run a couple of years ago. He's a guy only 26 years old. He's not going to cost a ton of money. He'd be a great ad for the Jets because he can play left or right tackle. That's a name to watch. Veteran receivers, Emmanuel Sanders, Brashad Perryman. And then, as I said earlier, with the 11th pick, I think it's going to be uh, an offensive lineman. Now, if they're looking for a left tackle, they may have to try to trade up because the only P3 
pure left tackle that I think would go in the top 10 is Mekhi Becton of Louisville. Do the Jets really want to trade up and give up assets? I'd be hesitant to do that. I think a lot of it depends on how Douglas feels about Andrew Thomas from Georgia. He's a pure left tackle, but his stock has dipped in recent weeks, so I'm not sure the Jets want to use the 11th pick on him. And that is the end of the third quarter. This is the Red Zone, and we're going to wrap it up as we get close to the end here with some combine memories for me. Scouting combine memories. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not at this year's scouting combine. ESPN has an army of reporters there. Uh, I didn't make it out there this year, but I have covered many, many combines in the past, and I do have some really good memories, uh, fond memories, uh, 1997. And I think it shows how the combine has changed. The access right now to, to players and coaches and personnel people is so restricted with all the new guidelines. But back in the day, in 97, true story, I'm sitting in Bill Belichick's hotel room. It's me, Bill Belichick, and Scott Pioli. This was when Belichick was the head coach of the Jets for a temporary period while they were trying to hire Bill Parcells. Belichick was in charge. And he was serious about it. We sat in the room and I interviewed him at the Hyatt Hotel in Indianapolis. And he had all these spreadsheets all over his desk and salary cap figures. And he was diving into this job. Now, I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy really thinks he's going to be the head coach of this team. He was into it. But a few days after the combine, the Jets did, in fact, hire Bill Parcells. And Belichick went to being the defensive coordinator but I always have that memory of being in the room with him, and he was very gracious and uh, really put on a really positive in, you know, front as to a guy who was really wanted to be the head coach. We know things changed a few years later, which takes me to my next memory. In 2000, after he left the Jets and became the head coach of the Patriots, this was his first year with the Patriots, and I remember one time waiting in the Holiday Inn lobby for him. He was meeting with a bunch of college players. He walked out at about 11.30 at night, and I asked to do an interview with him. And so we ended up in the bar at the Holiday Inn talking over a couple of sodas. He gave me a long interview, uh, you know, maybe 20 minutes to a half hour. And, uh, again, very gracious, talking about leaving the Jets and, you know, taking over a position in, in New England. Still very hot story at the time, his resignation. It's been 20 years. I can't even believe it. But the one guy he was with at that time, it struck me, was uh, he was with a guy who could have passed, could have been mistaken for a ball boy. In fact, he was carrying around a bunch of Patriots caps. And when I saw Bill... You know, this guy came up to me and handed me a Patriots cap as a gift before the interview. And it was Eric Mangini, who was an assistant coach at the Patriots at the time. We know very close to Belichick. I couldn't have imagined at that moment that Mangini, who looked like he was about 16 years old, would be the head coach of the Jets only six years later. But strange things happen in the NFL. The Combine is an interesting place. Those are two of my behind-the-scenes memories of covering so many combines in the past, and hopefully I'll uh, get to cover them again in the future. That's the end of this week's show. I want to thank our producer, Jeff Scopin, and, of course, our guest, ESPN draft analyst Todd McShay, for sharing some insight on Joe Douglas and the upcoming draft. I'd like to remind you to please download Flight Deck, subscribe to it, add your comments, rate us. You can find us on the ESPN app, of course, 
Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, pretty much everywhere you find your podcasts. And also, keep reading ESPN.com for a lot of Jet content. We'll be filling up the uh, the website as we get closer to the free agency period and the draft. There'll be a ton of Jet content, so make sure you bookmark the Jets page on ESPN.com. Thanks for following along this week. We'll be back real soon. Thanks and take care. <laughs> 